Incarnate, written by Jules Vonado, narrated by Mina Saray. Flashing lights, crashing waves, piercing screams, erupting golden acid, plummeting shards of glass, a voice softly said, Stay. Beck woke up in a hot sweat. Her heart raced as she jolted from her sleeping position, hazily looking forward in her dark room, tensed and hyperventilating. She calmed her breathing down as she realized what she saw was nothing more than what she's been experiencing for the past two weeks. A nightmare. Readjusting to normalcy, she checked her phone for the time, only to realize that it was 3.23 a.m. She had to get up in a few hours. Annoyed, Beck slumped back down into her sheets to try to get a good rest for the remainder of the night. At 7 a.m., Beck's alarm went off. It rang only once before she shut it off. She never went back to sleep. She lied awake, thinking. She begrudgingly got out of bed to start her morning routine. Her room was quaint, with lavender walls holding handcrafted watercolors and luminous fairy lights. When she first moved almost ten years ago, she got to pick which empty room would be hers. Obviously, she chose the bigger one. After taking her shower and getting dressed, Beck began to brush her teeth. The fog still resonating from the heat of the shower obscured the view of the mirror. She stared forward, blankly moving from task to task as if it were instinct. As the fog receded, she grabbed her primer, and as she looked up, she saw a large unfocused form. Something dark, with sunken yet piercing red eyes, visible in the mirror. Beck froze. She felt a chill down her spine and quickly looked away. She couldn't make out what she saw, but whatever it was, it was unnerving. Beck's hands began to shake as she stared down at the porcelain sink, too afraid to look up, too anxious to see what the mirror would reveal. She decided not to put her makeup on, rushed out the door, and grabbed her things from the room. Beck shuffled downstairs to find her mom in the kitchen eating breakfast. She walked up next to her and sat down at the table, where a plate of food had been prepared for her. How'd you sleep, kiddo? Her mom asked. Not too great, Beck said. Woke up in the middle of the night again, so I didn't get much sleep. Was it another nightmare? Asked her mom. Beck nodded, unwilling to say anything more about the subject. Her mom responded in turn with silence. She shared a knowing glance of sympathy and deep concern with her daughter. She reached out her hand to gently hold Beck's. Rebecca, she said. I know you're going to Dr. Getty's in a few minutes, but is there anything you want to talk about with me? I promise I'm a good listener. Beck took a second to process her mother's words. The words she said seemed genuine, but didn't appear understanding. 
Rather than relaying her thoughts, Beck smirked at her and said, Thanks, Mom, but I'm good. They spent the rest of their morning together in silence. Having a conversation would mean that they would most likely discuss recent events, the last thing that Beck wanted to do. After finishing breakfast, Beck hugged her mom goodbye as she left the house to drive to her appointment. The skies were overcast, glooming down on the cityscape below that waited for the imminent downpour. The feeling of dread resonated within Beck herself, who wanted nothing more than to have her life go back to normal, rather than seeing a psychiatrist every Friday morning. The only reason she accepted this was to make her mom happy, who assumed it would help her feel better, but it felt more like a burden. As she sat in the waiting room of the renowned Dr. Noel Geddes, Beck rifled through the outdated celebrity magazines and occasionally glanced at the decade-old television directly across from her. As the commercials began, Beck looked to her left at a person in the hallway. Only... it was not a person. A giant, matted figure of indigo hue lurked in the deep shadows of the corridor. It had black, recessed holes for eyes, and a grin of jagged teeth. Beck couldn't believe what she was seeing. She began to sweat, staring at the horror that haunted her nightmares. In almost an instant, it sprinted towards her. Beck screamed in terror and slammed her eyes shut. She opened her eyes to find that nothing had happened. With a pounding heart and clenched muscles, she looked around the room. The figure was gone. Beck thought, there's no way that was all in my head, right? But seeing how the secretary looked at her as if she was crazy, there seemed to be no other option. Suddenly, Beck heard a voice on her right. Hey, nice to see you again, Beck. Dr. Geddy said. Are you ready to come in? Beck quickly readjusted herself to appear relaxed. <sighs> yeah, let's go, she said as she hopped out of her chair and entered Dr. Geddy's office. The session with Dr. Geddy's was ordinary. Beck would tell her about the events of the previous week and would constantly be asked about how that made her feel. She always said that she was fine but Dr. Geddes knew it wasn't true. Towards the end of their session, Dr. Geddes said, So, I can tell something's on your mind. You know, you're more than welcome to share. It's just been a crazy week, what with midterms and all. I'm just a little scatterbrained right now. Dr. Geddes nodded with a concerned look. Beck, she sighed. We've been talking for a while now, and I want you to know that it's okay to not be okay. Things are difficult for you right now, and rather than internalize or run away from your pain, let it out. I guarantee it will make you feel better. Beck grew agitated. Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. Stop pretending like you know me. It's part of my job to know you. 
I care about your well-being, and I understand how you're feeling. You're hiding the truth from yourself to make yourself feel better, and it won't work. I could see it when I first saw you today. You were more on edge than usual. I just didn't see you walk up, jeez. And just because I told you I had nightmares doesn't mean anything. I'm just stressed out from school. Nothing's wrong, and nothing's different. Why did you bring up your nightmares? Dr. Geddes asked. We didn't even discuss them today. Beck, your nightmares aren't getting worse, are they? Beck paused. She was taken aback from her deductions, and was too startled to respond. Dr. Geddes looked at her with worry. If you're suffering, you can talk to me. The first step in healing is letting- There's nothing to heal, Beck snapped. She began to calm herself down. Listen, I think it's best if we cut this session short. I gotta get to class. Beck grabbed her bag and quickly walked out the door. Beck, wait, Dr. Getty said as the door slammed behind her. Beck couldn't get those words out of her head. Her mind locked on the conversation she just fled from. Why would she even say something like that? She thought to herself as she drove to school. Her mind continuously wandered back, losing focus on the road. Slipping in and out of reality, she jerked her car through traffic, frantically approaching her goal. Later, as she sat in class, Beck stared at the professor's lecture with empty eyes. The noises she heard were merely hollow illusions of coherence. As she rested her fingers on her laptop, but never pressed a key, she was shaken back into the world by the person sitting next to her. Jordan. Hey, Slimehead, Jordan said. Where'd you go? Your body's still here, by the way. Huh? Beck said hazily as she recollected her thoughts. Oh, um, nothing. Just thinking about some stuff. Stuff? Is there anything you want to talk about? No, don't worry about it, Beck replied. Anyways, what's the plan for tonight? Are you still coming over? Dude, of course, Jordan said. I got a whole thing planned for tonight. First, we're going to make the poppers, and as those are cooking, we could start setting up for the photos. As Jordan continued to describe their plans for the evening, Beck's attention moved from the conversation with her best friend and towards the front of the classroom. There she noticed a pressure building from behind the closed door of the room. A golden liquid reeking of mold creeped in between the seams of the frame and slowly poured across the floor. Beck sat helplessly as the putrid substance made its way across, dissolving everything in its path. The outstanding pressure buckled the door, and the liquid erupted from the entrance, engulfing the room in its vastness. It boiled the people in its path, their strident screams nulled by the severe bubbling of the acid. Beck remained still, in horror. Her breathing was shaky and irregular, her body trembling and clenched from petrification. Beck sprung from her seat. 
panicking as the liquid that was approaching disappeared in an instant. As she stood, all of her materials clattered onto the floor. The noise disrupted the lecture and the classroom fell silent, with all eyes focused on Beck. Is everything okay, Beck? asked the professor, stunned by the unconventional interruption. I... I need to go to the bathroom, Beck said as she frantically picked her belongings from off the ground and rushed out. Jordan watched her run off, with anguish and concern all across her face. As Beck rushed to the bathroom with uneven breath, she ran the water from the sink along her hands and splashed her face for relief. As she looked into the mirror above, the same image from back at home stood across from her. Before she could focus on it, the figure reached its arm past the bounds of the mirror and seized Beck's neck. It clasped onto Beck's windpipe, restricting her air as she struggled against it. Beck clutched the figure's fingers and pried its grasp off of her neck, falling to the ground. As she reclaimed her breath, she was finally able to fixate her focus and identified the figure's true form. Beck scrambled off the ground, grabbed the sides of the sink and stared at what she saw. An image of Beck stared back. It was her, but with oily black hair, pewter skin, and recessed yet vibrant beady red eyes. It looked at Beck with disgust, then grinning at her visibly shaken state. What the hell are you? Beck said. I'm you, the figure said. I am what you truly are. All of your fears and doubts are what give me life. This, this isn't real, Beck said. This isn't happening. I was once restricted to your dreams, but now I'm with you always. Beck tried to scream, but no sound came out as the vision's red eyes pierced her own, which now stung with the tears welling up ready to burst. You brought this on yourself, and soon you will succumb. Beck couldn't take it anymore. She scurried out of the bathroom, bumbling past others. But as she left, she could still hear the whispers of the nightmare, taunting her in her head. I'm with you always. Beck and Jordan drove to her house in silence. Beck frowned throughout the drive, unable to talk about her outburst. Whenever Jordan wanted to speak, she would pause and then slump back down into her seat. As they reached their destination, Beck slammed the car door, prompting Jordan to finally speak up. Beck, come on, she said. It's been weeks and we haven't spoken a word about it. About what? Beck asked. You know exactly what. I'm only prying because I care about you. Look, I get it, but you see the thing is... You don't get it, Beck snapped. No one gets it. I just want to go back to normal, okay? Beck dismissed the discussion and looked ahead to her front porch. 
only to see the nightmare waiting at the door. Its rotting, grotesque hand reached out, and Beck began to choke, suffocating from lack of airflow. She heard the murmurs of the shade once again. I'm with you always. She fell to the ground in pain, as images of nightmares hauntingly appeared before her. As Jordan ran to her aid, Beck asphyxiated and fell unconscious. Beck woke up hazily on the couch in her living room. Covered by a blanket, she sat up, lightheaded, to see Jordan on the love seat next to her asleep, and looked past at the window to see the sun setting behind her. The last thing I remember is being outside, Beck thought to herself. I couldn't have passed out, but that must have been what happened. I've been out for hours. As Beck pieced together these events, she realized how the effect that the nightmare had on her was getting stronger and stronger, to the point that she couldn't even rely on her own body. It was right. She couldn't escape it. It was too much, and Beck couldn't take much more of it. She needed to talk to someone. With Jordan asleep and her parents not home yet, she knew of one other person willing to listen. Back in her office, Dr. Geddes gathered her belongings and approached her door to leave for the day. Before she made it to her exit, Beck barged in, desperate to catch her. Dr. Geddes, wait! Beck said. Beck? Dr. Geddes said, surprised. It's almost night. What are you doing here? I know you're about to go, but please, listen. I know that I can't hide from the truth anymore. I need to face it. I'm ready to talk. Dr. Geddes heard the sincerity in her voice. She allowed Beck to sit down, where she began to describe everything. It was a Friday night. I was watching TV in my room when I heard him trying to sneak out of the house. My brother, Lucas. He's such a goofball, and he isn't slick at all. He told me he was going to a senior party, and I told him to take me with him, or else I would tell Mom and Dad. He reluctantly agreed. It was my first time at a party with alcohol, so he told me to act cool. When we got there, he split off, so I kind of did my own thing. Someone gave me a red Solo cup with beer in it, like in the movies. And even though it was pretty gross, I was having a lot of fun. Everyone was taking pictures. Someone broke a window with a purple teddy bear. And there was even a guy that jumped off the roof into a pool. People were cheering him on, and it was crazy. After my second cup, it was around 2 a.m., and I got a little overwhelmed. Lucas noticed and got one of his friends to drive me back home.
he asked me if I wanted him to take me back himself, and I... I said, stay. So he did. He stayed. And I got back home about 15 minutes later. Mech's eyes began to swell with tears. About three hours later, cops pulled up to our house. They told us that... that Lucas stayed at the house that night and fell asleep on the couch. He was on his back and... and because he was drinking, he threw up in his mouth. But he couldn't turn over. Mech started sobbing. He... He choked on his own vomit. He died and it's all my fault. If I didn't tell him to stay, he'd still be here. My brother's dead because of me. Beck put her head in her lap, weeping after finally admitting to herself what's caused her so much pain. Dr. Geddes grabbed her hand and spoke gently. Beck, she said, what happened to your brother isn't your fault. He made his choice, and what occurred afterwards was nothing more than a terrible accident. Something you couldn't have controlled. Then why does it hurt so much? Beck asked. Because you lost someone you loved. That's always going to hurt. We'll always live with that feeling of loss. But we also learn to accept it. And not move on, but move forward. And the first step in that process is facing the truth, which we've done today. Beck wiped the tears from her face. Thank you, doctor, she said. Thanks for listening. Perks of the job, Dr. Geddes joked. Beck drove back from Dr. Geddes' office. She arrived at home where her mother and Jordan anxiously waited for her return. As she opened the door, her mother ran towards her and hugged her. Thank God you're okay, she said. I'm so sorry, Mom. Beck cried. I just... I just miss him so much. I do too, Rebecca, her mom said. I do too. Beck hugged Jordan as well. Thank you for being there for me, Beck said. I'm sorry I tried to push you away. Dude, it's okay, Jordan said. I'm going to be with you no matter what. 
always. Don't forget that. As Beck finished up her nightly routine, she looked once again into the bathroom mirror as she brushed her teeth. She looked closely and saw the nightmare looking back at her. Beck stood her ground, unmoving and unafraid, as she watched the nightmare slowly fade away. And in its place was Beck's reflection. Beck left the bathroom, went to her bed, shut off the lights, and finally went to sleep. Incarnate, written by Jules Vonado, narrated by Mina Saray.